Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis Newton here for the Cups and Cakes Network. And uh, I'm really excited to share an interview that I did uh, merely a couple weeks ago now with uh, Hayden Menzies from Mets. Uh, we have a great, uh, great conversation about uh, about their brand new live record, which is called Live at the Opera House, a great, great venue in Toronto. Talk about how that project came together. We talk about uh, COVID being uh, both a huge downer for their touring schedule, as well as a welcome reprieve from it. And uh, we talk about the great, great uh, series of, uh, of uh, vans and strange vehicles that uh, Hayden had over the course of his uh, younger years. As per usual, there may be some foul language in this episode, so listener beware. And you can find other episodes of this podcast, as well as other audio, video, and written content over on the Cups and Cakes Network website. That's cupsandcakespod.com. One more time for y'all, that's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Here's Hayden Menzies from Mets. Okay, should be going. My name is Hayden Menzies. I play drums in the band Mets. Perfect. Well, uh, thanks so much for uh, coming on Inside the Artist Studio. It's a, a real pleasure to have you. Um, We'll uh, run through the format here just one more time before we get started. We're going to put you through a little rapid-fire section, and then uh, we'll move on into the kind of standard interview half and the back half of things here, talk about uh, the live record y'all have coming out and, uh, and about the tour that you guys are just about to take off on, and uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll play a track from Mets right at the end. So maybe if you, if you want to stew on... Uh, what song you'd want to play at the end of the episode i'll uh, i'll let you do that uh, while we're chatting great sounds good perfect well uh, we'll dive right into the rapid fire here then uh do you do you have a specialty dish that uh, you like to cook that people associate with you um i have done my best to try and make uh pasta from scratch um, so I'm still sort of experimenting on getting it the just the right consistency, uh, different flours, different um, ingredients. But uh, that's that's kind of my go-to. Yeah. How how long have you been working on that endeavor? Um, probably a few years, but I think under pandemic lockdown, I sort of took some liberties and tried to tried a few more experiments. But it's it's getting there. Yeah. What's like. I, I always imagine when people say making their own pasta that they mean spaghetti. Are you are you mostly doing spaghetti, or are you, you trying some some other stuff? Uh, well, different different stuff. Um, I have like a, a pasta roller, and it's only got a, a couple of settings for if you want to do long noodles like spaghetti or linguine. Yeah. Um, so I, I try and do stuff where you do it by by hand. It's just like you roll it with your thumb, or you make little you cut it and make little shapes and stuff. I can't remember all the names, but sometimes that's a little more satisfying because it's, it's not just on a, a rolling machine. You can actually get your hands into it. It's a little more time consuming, but it's kind of rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you prefer tea or coffee? Coffee. Uh, I, I love coffee. Uh, what uh, are are you like? Uh, do you get really into like the preparation of it, or or do you just like whatever? If it's made with coffee beans and hot water, it's good. 
I love when other people get into it and make it for me so I don't have to do the legwork <laughs> because I, I don't know enough about quality of beans and different grinds and things like that. But I love other people's enthusiasm. Um, but I, I sort of, uh, if there's a great coffee shop on the road or something, I'm happy to oblige. I'm also happy to just get sort of diner, you know, thin, cheap coffee where you can probably drink about 10 cups and not really get caffeine jacked. So <laughs> depends on the environment, but I'm, I'm, I'm game for all types. I will uh, confess to doing uh, what I what I would call some kind of like coffee sacrilege this morning. I've got like a little like one cup pour over thing that I use because uh, I live mm-hmm. alone. So that generally makes the most sense. Um, and I uh, woke up and I ate a nice big bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to use this cinnamon toast crunch milk and make like some really weird coffee with this. And let that, me, that actually sounds pretty good. Let me tell you, it was pretty good. <laughs> I got everything, everything all at once. You get the sugar, you get creamer. I drink coffee black, so I don't add much to it, but I love cinnamon toast crunch, so I would definitely be <laughs> tempted. You know, I um, I only started drinking coffee because we got a really nice coffee machine at the studio that I work at, and uh, it's it's great because you can you can just drink it black, and then when I make coffee at home, I I can't make coffee for shit, and so I put you know a ton of cream and sugar in it, and it makes it good. Whatever, whatever gets it fueled. Yeah, yeah. What's the uh, what's the weirdest job you've ever had? I was a bagel roller for about two days. Um, it was really early mornings, and it was difficult. And they they didn't pay me because they said uh, until your bagels are perfect every time and they're sellable, uh, then you're on a sort of probationary training period. And they said that could last up to two weeks. So I didn't like the idea of working for free for two weeks. So I, I got another job offer and I quit. But that was, uh, I guess it's not really weird. It's very, actually kind of a uh, uh, noble job to some extent. Um, working in a bakery, I think is pretty cool. But the conditions weren't great. So I, I passed. I think just any job where there is some like catch to the pay. Like I, I interviewed the Garys the other day and they were talking about one of them working at Elections Canada and getting paid per name that they entered into this system instead of getting oh, paid wow. per hour. And it's like, that's really weird. Or yeah, just not getting paid until you can make the perfect bagel. Um. It was bizarre. I mean, the probably the strangest job I ever had was, was working at a um, strangest, but most rewarding and really cool job. I kind of miss it. It was working at a, a wild bird uh, rehabilitation center so i would have to go around and feed the birds and help with like injured animals and stuff like that it was that was a really cool job to have yeah oh damn and where where would that have been that was in ottawa i was still going to university and it was kind of a part-time weekend job um and it was it was great i got to feed them and wrangle in the geese from outside because they would they would spend the day outdoors and stuff it was a really cool job yeah What's the uh, what's the first car you ever owned? The first car, I've only ever owned vans. Okay. Like, so my first truck or van was probably purchased with my brother, um, and it was a I believe it was a Dodge Ram, and it was painted blue with a mop, not by us, but it was <laughs> it was like this 
pretty matte like it was just house paint so it, it was like chipping off and stuff but i think we bought that for a thousand bucks yeah what's uh what happened to it it eventually well it was kind of like a cargo van so it didn't have any seats in the back so we would just we bought a a couch from a thrift store and just threw it in the back <laughs> obviously no no seat belts no bolted down to the to the floor subframe so it was not safe but we drove that thing for quite a bit i don't know what happened to it if it died or we traded it not traded in but sort of got rid of it to make room for a better one but it didn't it didn't last too long uh if you could uh if you could put together a a bill of any handful of bands like two or three um book them for a show, give yourself a ticket to that show. Uh, what kind of bands would you book? Oh man, these questions always intimidate me. <laughs> I get this, I get this, this, a similar sensation when I walk into record stores as of the past few years. I used to be quite enthusiastic about going and spending hours and hunting through and flipping through vinyl. And now it just intimidates me because I think they're, I'm either going to forget this list, this sort of checklist that I've had running in my in my head for you know weeks or months for certain records to look out for and as soon as i walk through the door i know i'll go blank um (laughs) either that or i will just amass this huge pile and it will be way too much to travel with or to pay for so i kind of just avoid record shops but uh it gives me the same sort of feeling of trying to pull two or three bands out of thin air (laughs) <laughs> um to see at a show that would be man uh i'll give some pretty stock answers without getting too uh scholarly because i <laughs> don't have that capability i would say the beatles the ramones and um maybe parliament oh yeah it's funny yeah i i think um questions like that like because realistically it's it's a variation on like you know what are your favorite live bands right Mm -hmm. um and i and i feel like those kinds of questions uh are really really easy to answer when you're quite young and i think yeah like when you're younger people uh i i think tend to maintain lists in their head of their favorite things because those things are really important in defining who you are in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, all of a sudden it's like, there's questions like that where it's like, I don't think I got to answer that question. I have no fucking clue. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, is there a, is there a social media account you like to follow that brings you some joy when you, uh, when you scroll past it? That is also difficult. Um, I'm sure everyone says this, but I, I really try to not spend too many too many hours of the day on social media. I just don't. I think it's a it can be a bit of a drawback. It's not real life. Yeah. Um. Uh. I think there's a. I forget the names of this answer is going to be kind of pointless, but there's one where a guy rescues very senior dogs. Um, and sort of gives them a home as they sort of sundown, and it's uh, it's quite charming. They he's got about eight or nine, eight or nine dogs or something, and a, and a pig. Anyway, it's it's <laughs> that one kind of adds some levity to the day if you scroll past it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I find, again, it's that there are three answers to that question, and it's either people, like, religiously don't touch social media, or it's something that's kind of uplifting, or something that's just stupid. And all three of those things are are good things that would make most people feel better, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's sort of, again, kind of a stock response from most of the people I know, but if I could not be on social media, I'd probably... Wouldn't be, but everyone, but uh, you know, that's, uh, it's not really a reality for some of the things that we use social media for as like a tool for, you know, band and things like that. So, um, I'm guilty of it just like everyone else is. Uh, do you prefer sports, board games or video games? I like a good board game. There's conversations that can ensue. There's a bit of, uh, it sort of occupies or requires a bit more um, mental focus. It doesn't seem like a, a, a sort of distraction from things. You, you know, it's nice to feel fully engaged in something that is right there in front of you. So here's my, here's my question about board games. Because um, this came up the other night. I, I had some friends over and we played some games. Uh, what What is your opinion on how closely you stick to the rules of any specific game you're playing? Like, are you a, like, ah, we'll flub it um, kind of person? or? Good question. I, I think depending on... Well, for one, if people come to... If they introduce a, a game and they have their way of playing it and that's how their family or friends have been playing it for a long time, I'm happy to go by those rules if it means that the game is streamlined and fun and and everyone's enjoying it that's fine with me if it's something where it's new to everyone and we're trying to read through the very the very specific instructions to make sure we're we're playing it correctly um i'm happy to follow it to the letter but inevitably it's just one person reading the instructions and if they get burnt out and trying to figure it out after one or two times then we'll get as close as we can and just flub the rest (laughs) Uh, do, you have, do you have a hobby or a pastime that uh, that people might think, I guess, is uh, kind of unexpected or, or unusual? Um, well, cooking, like I mentioned earlier with the pasta, um, cooking has become kind of an enjoyable hobby. Um, it's a necessity, I guess, because you got to eat. But um, I also like, um, I'm just starting to get into welding. I wanted a hobby to work on in the garage, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get into welding. It seems much more difficult than uh, than expected, but yeah, that's a little out of left field. Okay, um, are are those things like welding? I guess specifically, is that something you've dabbled in at all, or is it just uh, a- aspirational? I guess. No, I've, I don't have any experience. Maybe you know, maybe high school, twenty five years ago, or something in a shop class. But uh, no, very, I would say, little to no experience. Um, so it's kind of nice to start fresh and just be completely bad at something at first. And, and <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's easy to, to find things that are user-friendly right out of the gates. And it's satisfying for a bit, but they, they can plateau pretty quickly. So it's kind of nice to be humbled by this piece of machinery that is not very forgiving. So if you're not good at it, you have to practice and practice. Well, yeah, I, I think this the same thing kind of came up even talking about, I, I, I guess, talking about bagels partially, but even about um, it being nice to do pasta shapes that you have to make with your hands instead of just kind of rolling mm-hmm. spaghetti through a thing. Um, 
because there's something actually much nicer about having to practice to do something and learning a very specific motion and a very specific um, skill, right? Yeah, there's a lot of things in everyone's life nowadays that is very instantaneous um, and that can be convenient and sometimes it can be helpful in certain situations. And other times it's just not necessary to have everything that rapidly. So I don't mind, you know, being forced to slow things down for, for certain things. Is there an album that you remember from your childhood that uh, that you still listen to or, or that had an impact on you in a pretty big way? I mean, I know, I know as a whole, um, it wasn't an album that I had, but um, on a whole, my parents always had... Uh, music playing in the household they had a turntable that was constantly going and i know i remember air drumming or using little wooden spoons on the the, the arm of the sofa uh playing along to the beatles and things like that so they i think any any beatles record um like revolver uh, rubber soul those are probably two of the most commonly played ones so those i would definitely love listening to the beatles anytime I can't even even now, but it was. I think those stand out as something that I remember that physical motion of playing along and feeling very engaged and, and interested in the music I was playing. It wasn't just this background uh, score. It was pretty. Yeah, those stick out for me for sure. It's funny. I, I'm sure other people have commented on this before, but there's there's something about the Beatles specifically that just pulls like kids in. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's really really. Um... Uh, there's something that just instantly works about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it has the this. They have elements from all sorts of stuff. If you, you know, I'm not even going to attempt to sort of dissect things. <laughs> um, it's just you know they they have such a broad appeal given all of the the different influences that each each of them brought to the table. And there's all sorts of stuff from really experimental stuff to this vaudevillian sort of polka stuff, like these, you know, rhythmic sensibilities and stuff are all over the place. So I can, I'm definitely not surprised that it stuck out to or, or um, struck a chord with young people as well as more advanced musicians, musicians or listeners. You know, the, the audience was just as vast as their sort of um, musical spectrum. So I think that's why they remain to be one of the most special bands ever. Very last question here in the rapid fire. Um, hopefully this one doesn't throw you into too much of a panic either, but um, are there any, uh, are there any bands or artists in, uh, in your neck of the woods uh, that you want to kind of give a shout out to that you really like uh, what they're doing right now? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's this band Facts, F-A-C-S, that are from Chicago, who we will be going out on the road with uh, on this next tour, that I think are incredible musicians, friendly people, um, more than friendly. They're, they're amazing uh, people to hang out with and to sort of collaborate with, and I'm really looking forward to getting inspired by watching them every night. Um, yeah, they just, they, I can't say, I, I don't want to do them any disservice by trying to limp my way through some sort of description so you should definitely just check them out but they're they're great absolutely well let's uh we'll we'll swing on over into the second half of things here um i i guess right off the bat what um what does the pandemic kind of look like for mets like i know 
you guys put out a record last October, um, which I would imagine was mostly completed before the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. Um, I would imagine there were some tours that were planned and canceled. Um, what, 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 uh, I guess, yeah. What does that kind of look like for you guys? Um, well, I'm sure it's been said a thousand times by others, but it was a really challenging, confusing, uh, pretty heavy time. Um, it was a really difficult pivot to sort of readjust of, of, of where, where do we go now? How do we do the right thing? Um, and still try and see our way through it. Um, so that took a lot of different maneuvering. And so this, you know, the, the sort of logistical side of things where we, the record was done uh, prior to, to any type of lockdown or, or pandemic stuff. So it had already been, I believe it was even already mixed and masters. It was, it was ready to go because we recorded it in 2019. Um, but there were a number of tours that had to be canceled. There were, you know, we delayed the pressing, I believe. Um, I mean, we were finalizing artwork for it during. Right. But um, other than that, everything had been completed before. So there were a lot of question marks. It was some pretty hard news to swallow that, that things were going to be put off for, for so long. But with good reason, you know, we had to make sure that people were being safe and we were doing the, the right thing for, for ourselves and family and friends and the world at large and trying to do our part to kind of, you know, curb this thing. And uh, so it was difficult, but it, it, I guess on a lighter side, if we can find one, it, it was maybe for a, a really quick beat, it was, it was cool to just stop and check in with everyone and see how everyone was doing and, and just, you know, talk without it all having to be, um, this really quick paced, um, you know, it's not, not, that's not to describe us as, as some sort of clinical operation where we've been friends since day one and, and we still are, um, we're, we're family and I don't think we would be continuing if we, if it was anything less than that. So, you know, we still, we still chat and get together and, and hang out and do stuff outside of the band all the time. Um, so it's definitely not to paint the, the picture of, of, the uh, the opposite of that but it was nice to kind of just take a second and and i don't know maybe it was a way for us to distract ourselves and just not think about the outside world for a minute but that obviously was short-lived because you can't avoid the outside world forever <laughs> um so we kind of just we did our best to be creative about the use of our time and um you know just try to be as positive as, as possible and just focus on some other things that we could that we could work on when we could. So it was it was difficult, um, but we're happy to see that it's hopefully coming to a close, and things will be able to get back on some sort of reasonable track soon. Uh, have Have you guys done any playing? Actually, first of all, all, all three of you are in Toronto, right? Yeah. Have you guys done any gigging around Toronto in the past year and a half, or or has it been pretty pretty no. quiet there? Yeah, we haven't played a single show. The only thing that we've that we've played is the Opera House uh, film, and the I think we did a KEXP session uh, remotely, um, and that's pretty much it. So we've only played in either our practice room or in a studio, 
uh, well, I guess the opera house is a venue, but it was obviously empty um, for the for the sake of that project. And now that just it hasn't really been much of a reality. A lot of venues have struggled to to see their way through. There have been capacity limits. There's a lot of uh, um, you know, you got to read everyone's comfort level as well for people who might be interested in going to a show and stuff. So it's it's difficult. It was uh, we haven't done anything um, up until well, hopefully this tour in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, let's uh, we'll we'll put a pin in that for a sec and let, let's just jump back in time here a little bit. Um, you guys are all from Ottawa. Um, how, two of us are two. Alex and I are yeah Chris is Chris is born and raised in in Toronto or surrounding area yeah. oh, okay so so how how did you all get together then like what did the the start of the band look like uh well Alex and I knew each other in Ottawa a little bit just through just through the music scene and going to punk shows and stuff and um he and I he filled in on a tour in another band uh, a few years before and that was sort of um, coming to a close and so we decided we want to start something fresh when we got home and and in order to do that we kind of wanted to change change up where we lived anyway so we decided to move to Toronto at the same time and trying to pursue the band down there and um, when we met Chris through again just through music scene and mutual friends uh, when we met him, it just sort of clicked, and that was how we knew we had a good sort of chemistry, and uh, and we all hit it off, and all had very similar sort of backgrounds in terms of getting into music and musical tastes, and and openness to different influences and stuff. So it just seems like a really good fit, and it's uh, it hasn't changed since. So had all of you played it played in other bands then before Mets? Like you were all fairly kind of like active in the punk scene. Yeah, I think all of us played in different bands, whether they toured or not, or whether they were project bands or full-on career bands. Or, or yeah, everyone everyone had definitely dipped their toes in the water in terms of playing an instrument and, and playing shows. What do you think are, are the things that um, that that you learn from being in a few different bands um, that you have carried forward into this project, like? Um, uh, things that you wish you had done differently or wish you had gone differently, I guess, in, in other bands that, um, that you made an effort to change with this? Um, that's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to dodge the question because I totally get where you're coming from, but I think there are, hindsight can be a really difficult thing. It's, 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 uh, you should definitely learn from things, but you can't live in the past forever. For um, sure, yeah. And I don't know, I think just be, and it also, it depends on the, the nature of the project. If it was, if it was something I was just doing for fun in my parents' basement with friends, I'm not really going to have the same sort of investment or, um, you know, it just have, it has a different life yeah. uh, than, than something, um, than something like Mets where it's, it's really been this all consuming thing and, and we're, we're very grateful for it to be that, um, I don't know. I think just in general to just be be open, be communicative, be you know, stay hungry and inspired, and be just be open and inclusive to ideas and people and, and priorities and, and outlooks, and you can only learn from it and only become a better person, better musician for it. And that's those general type of um, 
approaches I think will lend themselves really well to to touring in, in close proximity with people all the time to playing to um, being the best version of yourself musically um, or as a friend um, you know I think all of those departments kind of get checked off the box if that's your approach to all of them I know that sounds a little like painting with a pretty broad stroke but um, I genuinely think those are those won't steer you wrong yeah that, that makes sense to me um, so I guess talking about how you guys actually go about like writing new material um, when you sit down to put something together what does that process look like like does somebody come in with a, a skeleton of a song or do you guys get together and kind of uh, jam and figure stuff out that way it can it can vary I think we've had a we've had a selection of all all types of approaches um, sometimes Alex will have um, like a skeleton of a song like all the parts sort of sort of arranged in a, and you know main riff to sort of um, to drive the thing forward and then he'll bring it to to us or sort of demo it roughly with um, like drum machine and stuff just to get a sense of where um, where he sees it going and then he'll bring it to Chris and I and we'll all practice it or sort of jam it in the in the practice space and it'll take on a life of its own and then people's individual sort of um, approaches to it will start to to sort of mold the whole thing other times uh, other times Alex and I will we'll work on parts and sort of arrange them until we feel like it's in a good enough spot where we can take it further. Uh, and other times all three of us will be in there and just either throw things at the wall until it sticks or just haphazardly stumble onto a, a, you know, a beat or a bass part or guitar lick and, and we just sort of um, just take it from there and everyone, they take on many shapes and forms after that. Like there's that initial push of where we think we have something that's exciting for us. Yeah. Um, and then we'll kind of just see where it, it develops. And it doesn't always work. Sometimes we write them, um, we write them into a form of, of I don't know, it's, it's almost like a, a confused state of what we initially had. And other times you, it needs exactly that type of uh, distilling process to get it down to, you know, try every option until it's exactly what we had imagined. Um, so it's a bit all over the place, um, and I, I, I kind of like that we have this really varied approach to, to, to writing and collaborating on music. Will you guys try material out like in a live situation in order to refine it and kind of see how people react, or generally like um, if you're playing it, does that mean that it's like finished? We've had a couple over the years probably more than a couple but there, yeah there have been a, a, a small handful of, of songs over the years that we have not auditioned live but sort of felt like let's see how this one feels and see how it how it translates in that type of environment and um, and kind of work backwards to see if certain parts aren't hitting and that can be helpful um, other time but I would, I would say more times than not once we're playing it live it's because we've mapped it out uh, a certain way and it's finally ready to be taken live because we there's a you know there are parts that are really rigid in terms of structure structure and arrangement and other parts that we've um, we've deemed sort of free form and we can we can uh, ad lib those parts um, and there are definitely times where we record it one way and then we play it slightly differently live because it doesn't translate 
entirely the, the way we want. So it can it can work backwards, but I think I think you're right in terms of more times than not, if we're playing it live, it means that we've we've vetted it to uh, to a, a large extent. Do you guys write when you're on tour then too, or or when you're kind of out and about? That is that pretty much the only thing on your mind is kind of getting through the shows. <laughs> I think it I think again in the early days I think there were times when we tried to be productive in that regard on the road but it it was really difficult for us and for me anyway to to focus on anything other than the task at hand which is the tour and shows having said that there there have been some some parts that we just stumbled upon while goofing around at soundcheck and they have stuck around long enough that they even you know sort of materialized into parts of songs or at least got us to was this sort of transitional piece that got us to something else and that became an actual song um and if that's the case we we will carve out a few minutes and sound check to kind of uh play along to that but we we're very if we're gonna see if something has has potential we kind of all have to be playing it together so that makes it really difficult to to come up with new stuff and and see it for what it can possibly be on, in a tour setting. Were you guys fairly busy with tours before COVID? Like, you, 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 it was a fairly hectic schedule, hey? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was pretty exhausting, um, very rewarding, and we're, we're grateful to have been half of the places that we've gotten to go, with, you know, on the back of playing music. Um, but it, it can be pretty relentless and, and tough to keep up with. It's physically and emotionally draining at times. Um, and so that's when it's great. It's important that you're, you know, you have to remember that you're touring with two of your best friends and, and that sort of very respectful familial situation, um, is, cannot be understated because we wouldn't have gotten through them if we, if we were, you know, existed in any other capacity yeah. as a band. Um, but yeah, it was it was relentless. Uh, the first when the first record came out, we were gone ten months that year. Um, when and it wasn't much less on on two when that record came out. We got to the point where it was a, probably around the, the point of strange peace where we had a bit of a rule of like three weeks on tour, two weeks at home to kind of rest and recover. And you know, it just seemed like there's a a reasonable amount of of time at home and away. Um, but we could still cover a pretty decent amount of ground in, in three weeks, regardless of where we go. Um, so that hasn't been able to be the case now, obviously, and we're going to have to make up for some lost time on some, some larger tours uh, coming up. But um, yeah, it was, even with that type of uh, sort of curated schedule, we were still gone probably six months of the year. So it, touring is very um, heavily written into... Uh, until we, how we how we perform as a band yeah i i know um particularly maybe more so early pandemic there were a lot of arts and and music type people saying like oh this is this is great now i have all this time to to write and do all this work which i mean we can touch on this but my feeling is that that is maybe a little um toxic a little bit too much pressure to put on yourself but I, I think there there is um, something to be said for the fact that, um, particularly with a band with as crazy of a touring schedule as you guys had, 
that there might be some upside to getting to take a longer break from that than you've probably had in a long time. Um, are, are there ways that staying home in that way has been good or has been like refreshing in some way for the band? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think it's been great for, um, for us to be around loved ones for a more extended period. Um, even though there is this sort of looming uncertainty at the, you know, for the world at large outside of that, but at least you're not away for months on end. Um, and it was, I'm glad you said it before I did, because at the very beginning, I, I, I commend people on, on usually, or sort of really taking advantage of the, the free time to do something productive. Um, but I pretty much immediately, I can only speak for myself, but almost immediately said, fuck that. I'm not <laughs> going to put the pressure on myself to like, I'm going to get the best shape of my life. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to, I just didn't, I didn't need another thing to f- to that could possibly turn into a failure and I, what I mean by that is is setting all these goals um, if you you know even if you get really close and you sort of fall shy of completing it or, or getting finished to the to the point of, of your own satisfaction I guess by definition to me anyway would be that's a failure I didn't need this other laundry list of, of things to to potentially not work um, and I know that sounds very pessimistic, but it, I just, I reveled a little bit in the kind of like, let's just stop and take a moment and maybe, maybe realize that, um, this is avoiding any type of burnout, you know, not that we were approaching that, but just, just, it was nice to take a breath. Um, and then after that subsided, I did take advantage of like, well, now I have more time to paint. I have more time to get into hobbies like welding and <laughs> and um you know I, I started a writing project with a old um, university friend of mine and stuff so there have definitely been some artistic and creative and progressive things that have come out of it uh, and I'm happy for it but I think in that initial stage I wasn't ready to to put extra pressure I felt like I just needed to take a moment um so I can't you know for the band itself it was we like being busy so if there was any type of enjoyment of that reprise, it was it was kind of short-lived, and, and we wanted to keep busy and keep productive. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we enjoyed it at all. I think it was maybe nice to kind of spend a little bit more time at home, but we still needed to be active to, to feel somehow, you know, active somehow to feel like we are scratching that creative itch, you know, and feeling like, what we do is still massively important to us and we wanted to fill that void any way we could. So it's different. It's a, it's, um, it's a tricky, tricky headspace to be in. So, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the live record then, uh, live at the opera house. Um, I, I know for lots of bands or musicians over the course of the past couple of years, it's been pretty normal to turn to a live stream, for example, or, uh, or like outdoor shows or whatever as, as, a, as a means to st- still engage with a, a fan base and still kind of be creative during all of this. Um, uh, why a live record? Why, I guess, uh, was that the most appealing uh, way for you guys to kind of uh, keep moving during this? I think it was just, we if we were going to, 
if we were going to do it, we wanted to go all out. And, um, you know, I, I have a ton of respect for, for bands that got out there and did live stream in all different types of ways, shapes or form. Um, and so it was, it was cool, but we, we wanted to make sure that this was going to be something special. And it definitely, I don't, I could be wrong, but I don't think in the initial stages it was even necessarily the intention to be a live LP. Um, but we went into it being this, we're going to have like a, a live stream event and we want the video just to be as good as the audio and vice versa. And so right. if we were going to do it, we wanted to go the full nine and really see this project through. And it, uh, it turned out better than we could have imagined. And so we figured this should definitely be something that we can release on its, you know, it has its own sort of identity now. And, and um, it just seemed like a wasted opportunity to, to not do something more with it. Um, and any other show or live stream thing that we had potentially booked around either kept getting canceled or, or didn't come to come to fruition. So it seemed like we had all our eggs in, bas- in our basket for that one thing. Um, so we just wanted to see it through and do as much as we could with it. Yeah, I, I think it's probably worth to... Uh... Uh, just based on uh, how tough the past uh, period of time has been for for venues in particular um why the opera house what what's great about the opera house i i know i i went to a couple of shows there when i lived in toronto and it's a, a beautiful room but what what uh what significance or, or what's special about that venue to you guys um it's just it's a pretty historical building in in toronto um and it looks and sounds great and we had um, luckily it was available and I think it was even we were looking for a setting to do the stream in and I think it was even even sort of offered to us as, a, as an idea like well, why don't you do it here although I'm sure it would have been shortlisted very rapidly anyway if we were hunting for, for a suitable place um, yeah it just it looks really cool and, and classic on film and it's a great sounding room so it just seemed to check all the boxes, and um, yeah, I can't imagine uh, have done it uh, have done it anywhere else. Just uh, before before we kind of wrap things up here, uh, let, let's chat about the tour a little bit. Uh, you guys are heading out in, I guess, a couple weeks from this conversation. We're talking on November first here. Um, when, when are you guys heading out? What uh, what does that tour look like? Uh, so we fly to Phoenix on the 17th of November and we start from there. So we pick up all our gear and, and head up the coast and then we sort of crisscross our way back uh, through the Midwest over to the East Coast. And then, um, yeah, it'll be a, it's, it's about a month. Um, it should be, it's going to be great to get back out and play. We're all very excited to, to play live again and, um, and share these songs that we've, we've haven't really been able to share with people in a live setting since uh in almost two years so that's going to be really satisfying um yeah it's a little it's a little weird a little scary to to head out on the road for that long after not being out for for a couple of years but we're very much looking forward to it yeah i'm just i'm just scrolling through tour dates here on Bandcamp. you guys are playing some awesome venues holy man there's a ton of great yeah i'm looking forward to it 
hitting up uh, worth mentioning. I'm in Edmonton here, and and I think we have a, a decent number of people who listen to this from Edmonton. So hitting up the Starlight Room on November 26th, if uh, mm-hmm. if anybody's not doing anything that night, or Commonwealth Bar in Calgary uh, the day after. So, um, well, <laughs> right at the end of things here, we normally like to wrap up by playing a track off of. Uh, the latest release. I don't know if you want to pick something from the live record, get people back in that uh, live music kind of spirit before you head out. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Um, I would say let's play the the mirror off of um, the live at the opera house. Um, it's one of my favorite songs to play. Perfect. Uh, I guess yeah. Is there any? Uh, Anything else you want to say about the song at all? I guess what what record is it from? It's from Atlas Vending. So that's uh, our latest one. That is pretty much the the uh, our best record, our favorite record to play. <laughs> it's going to be really exciting to be able to finally perform this one live and and take it out on the road. Uh, and that uh, those songs are all on the Opera House uh, live record as well. Perfect. Well, uh, yeah, we're going to listen to a song called The Mirror. This is the live version from uh, Live at the Opera Hosts, also on Atlas Vending, which came out October of last year, 2020. Uh, Hayden, thanks uh, thanks so much for sitting down and chat with me. It was a real pleasure. My pleasure. I hope I wasn't too groggy. Um, didn't get much <laughs> sleep last night, but I, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really uh, happy to talk.
Inside the Artist Studio is produced by Sean Davis Newton for the Cups and Cakes Network. The featured track, The Mirror, live version, was played with permission from Mets. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song, Nothing on My Mind, from the Grimpy EP as our intro and outro music. Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>